Doc Ryan, Expedition 44, here today with my good friend Steve Castle. So blessed to have him on our episode today. And I've asked Steve to join me because he is part of a couple really amazing ministries, and I'm always blessed to be part of those amazing ministries. And so we've done, we've been in the trenches together several times. And so I just love this guy like a brother. Our hearts and our minds are kind of connected from before birth, I might say. And so we're two like-minded individuals and I wanted just Steve to kind of share a little bit about what he does, his ministry. I'd encourage you to follow. I'll have a link down here that you can click and you can learn more about his ministry and perhaps uh, support him in that if you'd like to. But Steve, tell us a little bit about your life and all the things you have going. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Uh, again, obviously this is this is real and genuine. It's it's that kingdom stuff when you yeah. when you meet guys that are that are for real and are really uh, interested in people, which is uh, which is why I birthed uh, Steve Castle Ministries. We're we're not very old. We're Less than a year old, but we're already hit the ground running and get in on the ground and, uh, floor. Yep, yep. And so, yeah, you're invited to be a part of something that's that's new and different. Yeah. Um, my my intentions, my my dynamic through of what Steve Gessel Ministries is about. It wasn't so that there was some other new itinerant minister out there, because obviously we know that there's plenty of those. Um, we really wanted to focus in and drill down to uh, establish relationships with ministries, with ministers, and with their people. Yep. In a way that was going to. Um, from a top-down kind of dynamic, bring health and availability of the actuation of the gospel in the ministries, in the churches, in the ministers, in the marriages of the ministers. Yeah. And we had Steve and his wife come and do a conference at our church and just saw amazing, I mean, to this day, I mean, weekly I'm seeing dynamics that came out of that conference that you guys came out and helped us with. Yeah, one of, one of the core values that I believe in ministry is you cannot give what you don't have. Mm -hmm. And so if a, a minister is struggling with some, some soul issue, obviously in the spirit, we're all like Christ. We've all been born again. We're seated in heavenly places. But there's this whole huge dynamic that needs to be dealt with, which is the soul. Yeah. And if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling in relationships, especially with the people that you're called to minister to, and how often do we know pastors that basically hate their sheep, right. but they know they're called to do it. Right. And and all of this stems from the fact that, that we have just not allowed the Lord to do an incredible transformative work, a Romans chapter 12, verse yeah. 2, transformation of our soul that allows us to fully minister from an overflow. Yeah. We're supposed to be ministering from an overflow. And and Ryan knows this and I know this uh, personally. We meet ministers all the time and they are burnt out. Yeah, usually I mean, it's just a season, but you never know. Right. You see that in the Bible. I mean, right. Jonah is obviously yeah. your typical case of this, but he's not the only one. I mean, there's story after story after story and most of the prophets were burned out through half their yep. lives. Yep, from, from ineffectiveness, most of them, or from not ministering from an overflow. You know, Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Yeah. And take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. If you remember Jesus at the at the well, um, John chapter 4, when, when he went to minister to the woman at the well, he was hungry. Yeah. He was tired. Yep. He was physically worn out. Exhausted. But when he ministered from uh, who he really was and what he was called to do, he actually left there refreshed without yeah. rest right. and without food. Interesting how that happens through the well. That it's, it's so not only, I, I use this with servanthood all the time, it's not only the person you're ministering to, but you're refreshed out of right. real yep. ministry. Absolutely. Like and so for the ministers that are out there and for the ministry leaders that are out there, yeah. um, one, of, one, of my, one of my calls, one of my divine purposes, I believe, is to come in and try to work through some of these things, not only in you, but also in the folks that you minister yeah. to. 
so that you can, from a place of rest, from a place of soul healthiness, from a place of soul success, that you can actually minister from the overflow of what you are called to do, from the identity that you have in Christ, that is going to actually give the opportunity for lives to change. If I minister from Steve Castle and how awesome I am and how amazing I am, nobody changes and I actually have damned people to a worse state. But if I flow out of the spirit, out of the bellies, if out of my belly flows of living water, which is Jesus Christ, now I'm bringing eternal solutions into people's lives. Yeah. And so to help uh, ministers and marriages, to help them connect in a, in a right way, literally just the other day, I was sitting, sitting with a minister who was in fornication, who was being uh, he, uh, kicked out of a house, who was, everything around him was falling apart. And he he had an attitude that it was it was everybody else and the world was yeah. against him and all these kind of things. In other words, there was a soul uh, problem that he wasn't identifying and he was attributing it to the persecution of the yeah. world. And, to, and we tend to do this as ministers. Yeah. We want to defend our position. We want to justify our position yeah. instead of just being humble and say, okay, what in me needs to be worked out in order for me to be in a yeah. healthy, healthy, successful place? And so that, that that is the that is the core value of what we are. I don't come in, you know, Sunday morning, 20 minutes before a service, and and preach and and try to get partners and money from your church and and leave. We come in. My wife and I come in. We come in a day or two or three before whatever the minister is open to. We spend time. We sleep in your house. <laughs> we spend time in your kitchen. We sit around the table, which is Acts. The Book of Acts yeah. was they did life together. Absolutely. They ate together. They yeah. fellowship. We don't together. do that enough. Not nearly. We do enough. not. It is it is it is sad that it's it's become. Hey, I'll bring you in. You'll sit in a hotel. I'll pick you up right. ten minutes before. You pray in tongues all the way in, and then and then you minister, and then I take you out for lunch and we talk about all the cool things going on in your ministry and I drop yeah. you back off at the airport. That is not what the right. Lord intended for ministry to be. That's not what we're going to do. So we have an opportunity um, to go into people's lives that is going to uh, bring change and opportunity to you as well as a minister. Well, Steve, thank you. I love what you do there. And um, take advantage of this. This is an opportunity. We don't see this. And one of the reasons why I invited Steve is because we've been working through the book of Job. And you've probably been following a lot of these videos and there's so many different dynamics within this book. Things you could talk about, things you could do. And I'm going to take you to a moment where we talk about the words of Job's wife. And I wish I could take Steve and Kay and put them into this situation and say, speak life. Because they were at a place in yep. their life, in their ministry, yep. that they needed some life spoken Absolutely. to them. And we they were, were grappling with their friends, the wisest men of the day, and screaming out to God through this thing, and kind of feeling like they didn't have anybody. No. And as, as pastors, I think ministry leaders, you feel that a lot, and this is a great opportunity to, to take advantage Amen. of that. So consider that for you, but more so for your church and for your ministry to be blessed as a result of that. And I see the domino effect all the time. Yep. Like I mentioned, you know, you, you get your ministry leaders in a better place to speak life into other people's life and boom, 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 before you know it, amazing things are happening in the name of God all right. over the place. Right. So we pick up with this story and Job's wife, in, when you read this in Hebrew, she only has six words here. And these words are oftentimes kind of misconstrued. We've talked about this in some of the other videos, but she says, are you still maintaining your integrity? And that's actually a reference back to what the challenger said earlier. And the answer is, it's kind of a rhetorical question. The answer is yes. Like God, we, we kind of get the narrator's version of this, but God never questions the integrity of Job. He, he says he's a righteous man. And even when we see throughout the book, Job get beat down and beat down right. and he's questioning his integrity. Right. But God is saying, 
he's righteous. And at one point he says, up to this and in this clarity, but Job did not sin in this. And so we still see a righteous man. But her words here are curse God and die. And the traditional way to interpret this is in English is exactly what it says. Curse God. It doesn't sound very good. But in Hebrew, it gets a little more complicated. It's, it's Baruch Elohim, and it, that's kind of a colloquial term. It's, it's kind of something that they used back then. And if you look at all the different times that these words are used, typically in the Bible, it doesn't mean curse. What they does still, it mean? They still use it today. It's, it's a blessing. It's a yeah. prayer. It's a promise. Yeah, so you, it, if, if I had my traditional Jewish friends here and they said this to me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at them. So what are you talking about? I would accept this gracious bloody blessing. Thank you. That speaks to my heart. Yet in, in the traditional way that this is written in English, we, we translate it differently. Now, it's not a bad translation, surprisingly, and this is where Hebrew, especially this ancient form, is really hard for us to understand. How can this mean something different than way our, our, the way our Bibles read it? Now, what's even more complicated is it actually can and might mean curse, but it might mean the exact opposite of that. It might actually mean bless. And so I want to look at this, and I don't want to spend a lot of time, but, but Job's response kind of uses this word foolish, and at one point when you kind of look later, he makes a source saying that him and his wife are kind of going through some things here. And you can only imagine losing right. your children and all your wealth and all of this stuff that he makes this reference in 1917 that, that the spirit alienates his wife. Yep. How many times have we felt that in ministry? Oh, absolutely. Good. I mean, we want to be that we're in one flesh with our wife in ministry, but I don't know about you, but man, there's been times where I've actually needed my wife's spirit to come back and kind of go. Yep. Yep. And that's kind of what you help with too, is, yep, is aligning exactly some right. of that yep. stuff. Yep. And so they could have used you here. <laughs> <laughs> Would have loved it. <laughs> but we look at this and I'm just going to have to say, you got to trust me that this word might actually mean exact opposite of meaning bless more than it means curse. But what's even crazier about that is at the end of the day, I'm going to explain some of those usages and it actually kind of means the same thing either way. Right. And so when we start looking at this, I want you to take note that at the end of the book, Job's friends that give wise counsel, they're kind of reprimanded by God for that. And he's Not saying, you're, you're off. Yeah, there's some harsh words in there. <laughs> you better pray for him otherwise. But Job's wife isn't dealt the same way. Nope. And so there's something to be said here that if you interpret her words as sinful or against Job, it doesn't fall in line to the way that God responds to that. And that's why when I look at it, I actually see her words as not so much negative, but possibly just giving what she thinks is wise counsel into this. So go with me here. There's a form of this that we know that's used 325 times in the sense of giving benefits. And so when you look at the Old Testament and you have a hardship with one word, you, you look at all the different places in the Bible that uses that same word and you say, well, how do they interpret it? So 325 times it's interpreted as blessed. Yep. And so that doesn't mean that it can't be cursed the right. four or five times that are there. And that's why they translate it as cursed because there's a good reason that they do that. But it's meaning that it could be give benefits. So when you read it this way, what if his wife is saying, take the benefits that God has given you throughout your life. You've been blessed immensely. Right. 
and go into the sleeping place or to die in peace right. before the Lord. That doesn't sound so horrible when you say it that way. Right. When you're when you're going through the worst part of what life has dealt you, that kind of has a different feeling to it than the way that we usually read that. Now there's another way to take this too, and I'm gonna take this back to Psalm 103. It's one that we say a lot. It's bless the Lord, O my soul. And it's my 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 six-year-old's favorite song. Yeah. He sings it at night. And what that is kind of saying is very similar to that that of saying, kneel down. And so you're in the presence of God, you're in sacred space right now. And so the interpretation there, and there's other places like Second Chronicles and Psalm 95 where that might be saying, you know, to come into a holy presence of the Lord, to kneel because it's your time almost. And so there's other interpretations of that, but, but when you read it this way, you're kind of given this idea that maybe what we read at face value as a curse could actually be a blessing, not a curse, to give thanks, to give benefits, to be blessed in this way. And oftentimes in life, in our human Western mindset, we like to interpret things as horribly as possible. And I don't think that's the way God intended us to interpret them and when I when I read what the wife says at, at face value you think oh she's she's in a bad mood or something like that but when you really get into it there's actually wisdom and beauty and even blessings to the words that she says how do you see that in your ministry and in real life you know what? this is this is so important that we um, one of the things that the Word of God does is it gives us um, legitimate context. Yeah. See, this life that we live in, this 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 world, this surrounding, the the circumstances that we're in, these are all totally temporal, mm. completely temporal. This whole world is passing away, yeah. and everything that's in it. If I if I build the the largest orphanage in the world and, and minister to tens of thousands of kids, there will be a day that I will be with my yes. Father in heaven, and it will all be done. Yeah. And, and we tend to make this the world. This, yeah. is, this is the yeah. entire context of it. And I honestly believe that that what happened here with Job's wife was she was trying to, as, as wives generally do, that she's trying to bring some kind of a context to this, yeah. that Job um, just immediately uh, responds. I, I believe he immediately responds kind of in a negative way. You're like, those are foolish words. Why would I think of this thing from the 30,000 foot view right. from a God, right. God view? That look how terrible circumstances are. Honey, you don't get it. You don't understand. I just lost my job. This is this is the worst thing ever. And here you are trying to encourage me right. and trying me right. to put me back into God's hands yeah. with this kind of stuff. You need to stop. You're just a foolish woman. I've got this. I'm the man of the house. I'm in charge and I'll take care of it. And here's how I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to worry myself to death. I love I love this. I, I, I think this is. I think this undone. is my interpretation. That's perfect. I'm going to stress myself out. I'm going to. I'm going to do what a man does. I'm going to yeah. nose to the grindstone. I'm going to get down in there. I'm going to get in the trenches. I'm going to yep. get my resume worked on. I'm going to go down there. And and another thing that this, there's this theme too that goes throughout the entire book of Job. And Job gets into it and then gets back out of it, yeah. which is this self justification thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Now God never said that he was unrighteous. Yep. Yeah. But. God also never uh, encouraged him to declare his own righteousness. Yeah, yeah. Now, so and this is put that? so it's, important. It's so important. This so is so this important. This is what he's grappling right. with through it. Yeah. For me to have an identity, um, to understand myself as a, as a son of God, mm -hmm. to be God's son, to be made righteous because of the atoning work of Jesus Christ, to be washed in his blood, to stand before him, to put on the new man, Ephesians 4.24, to put on the new man, yeah. which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness, for me to stand there 
and then for someone to come against me. Yeah. Or in our cases more often, for some circumstance to come against me yeah. and to challenge that identity, where I'm going to lose is where I feel like it's my job to justify me. Yes. That is my father's job. And going back to this, there's so many correlations with what you're doing. That's where I think ministers and ministry people get into so much trouble in the same yep. way that we're talking about is they they get to this point and they know they need to have this bigger picture of self-reliance on God and they should, but they don't. Right. They get they get buried in their in ministry the, in almost. The work of the ministry. Yeah. And here's the thing, like if if the work of the ministry is wearing you down is if it's stressing you if it's overwhelming you yep. if it's if it's and it will i mean we got to say that like at some point it will it, yeah N not if but when i guess yeah um at that point here let me help you at that point you need to recognize something you're doing it wrong yeah you're doing it wrong when was jesus stressed out when did he wake up and say oh god i gotta go heal another thousand people i gotta go minister yeah. freedom i gotta hang out with my father tonight i gotta walk on yeah, never i mean he the bible hebrews specifically said that he was filled with the oil of joy yeah. above his fellows yeah how do you find jesus in a crowd you look for the most joyous man <laughs> that's true and and when he was feeding five thousand let's say there was 10 12 15 000 people in this how do you find jesus in a yeah. crowd of 15 20 000 people you find the man operating in the most joy yeah. Yeah. And this was in the center of him doing ministry. And him even knowing that his ministry short, three years, three and a half years, yeah. and the end of it, the cross. Yeah. Like he knew that. But that didn't steal his joy. That should, didn't take should away. really put a different perspective Absolutely. into what we do. Yeah. If I knew that in a year and a half that they were coming for Steve Castle and they were going to drag me behind a police car and they were going to publicly execute yeah. me as a hypocrite, as a blasphemer, as a as a whatever, yeah. and, and challenge me, if you really are the Son of God, come down from there. If I knew this was all coming, I'm telling you, like I'd be like Ryan, give me an offering, man. Pray yeah. for me. Anoint yeah. me with oil. Do something for me. It's going to be terrible. Oh, it's going to be. Jesus is like set face as a flint. Yeah. And he was headed towards his destiny because he knew that that destiny was going to be the salvation of billions of people. Yeah. The end result, the 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 35,000 foot view, the non-temporal understanding of where he was in his circumstances. It took all of the power of his circumstances away from him. It took all of the depression, it took all of the oppression that was available to him. He was tempted in every point, but he didn't accept the temptations to become sin. All of these things working against him, but he knew the truth. Yep. He knew what he was called to do. He he didn't have to justify himself. He never argued with yeah. anybody about who he was. He knew who he was. If you know who you are, you never have to argue with yes. someone about who you are. It's true. If I get into a battle with someone in my church, I, I planted a church, founded a ministry. If I get into an argument with someone in my church about whether I'm called or, or anointed or positioned by God to do what I'm called to do, you know, at that moment, I have taken away what my father has said. Yep. And I've come down to argue with someone yep. that's in the trenches to tell me who I'm really not. Yeah. And so I really don't believe that I, what I am. If I really believe in what I am, it doesn't matter what someone right. else calls me. It only matters what my father calls me. Yep. And he calls me righteous and truly holy and, and called by him and justified and washed in his blood. That's what he calls me. So if I minister from that, I'm free. Yeah. Good Your word. opinion on me Good doesn't word. bother me. Good word. And I think that this is reiterated when Job's wife says this. She, her words actually could be very positive and they very powerful. Yep. They could be, I she could be seen from your 35,000 foot view but Job doesn't get it at that point. And later in the end of the book, I talked about this in the last video, there's one point where it says he's kind of been given the eyes of God. And 
that's when he does the repent, the right. 180 degrees. And 30, I wish it said, from the eyes of God and my wife. I think that would be great, you know? <laughs> and so with every woman, every minister's wife would. <laughs> but it might still imply that. And, and so, Krista does that every night, <laughs> well, from my view. <laughs> but at any rate, our point is, God wants us seen positively. Right. He wants us seen through the lens of blessings and not curses. He wants us he wants us looking out at his kingdom and seeing the big picture right. and not getting tripped up and as big as the problem that Job had, some sources say that this went on for 48 years of suffering. I mean, we can't imagine any worse turmoil than that. And what you and I are experiencing is really significant right. compared to that right. but at the same time the message is the same yep. the message is to be renewed to be restored to regain this joy and Paul talks all about this or you might be ineffective in where you are in your ministry it's it's Moses 40 years yeah. not leading the children of Israel out of slavery yeah. And we know that it was not God's will for him to be there and do that yeah. because God prophesied that they would be 40 years in slavery and they ended up being 450 years. Yeah. So God's prophecy was missed. Yeah. But the difference is, is that he, even if God prophesied something, there is still the free will, the free choice yep. of mankind. God yep. prophesied for Adam and Eve yep. to, to spread the garden over the entire earth, to yeah. live in, in perfection, to do, and they chose to violate the prophecy and eat the fruit. Yes. Moses, 40 years, yeah. missing it. Uh, Abraham waiting 13 years yep. to, for the for the promise to come, and even then he he mucked it up, and he, <laughs> you know he ended up in the flesh and did yeah. all this terrible stuff, and tried to prostitute his wife on two different it's occasions. Crazy. These are more stories of a relational dynamic God, right. and these are the results of what mankind has brought into this. Yep. But the other side of this is the relational God of love, and right. and wants the best for everything that we have, and the two are connected. They go hand in hand. <laughs> it's so important because. See, we have this great opportunity. We have this huge advantage where we can see the life of Abraham. Yes. Not the moment. Right. The the life of Abraham, we can say, all right, God called him. Uh, he had to figure it out. Yeah. He had to work out the promises. He had to work mm -hmm. out revelation. He had to, and then at the end, he has the promise. Yes. And he becomes one of the wealthiest people on earth, probably the wealthiest person on earth, establishes an entire nation, yeah. does all these incredible things for God. We have the ability to see, okay, God called you. When, you went through a bunch of terrible stuff, but you right. ended up with the promise that God gave you yeah, by faith. Very good. How about I skip all the stupid right. by looking at your story? Yeah. How about how about I'm not like David and run around and act a fool for a while? How about I just go ahead and drill down, have the heart of my father? Right. And we should look at the, in fact, it says in 2 Corinthians that we should look at all of these stories in the Old Testament and use them as an example of yes. things that we shouldn't do. Right, right. <laughs> We've been given this, this map and we like to read part of the map, but not the whole right. map. And so these are great truths and you know going hand in hand in this is when you get to the end of the book and I mentioned this a couple times too that you you get to the end and we see God saying Job is going to pray for his friends and then he gets all these blessings given back and this prayer is part of this relational dynamic God relationship and you kind of wonder how his prayer life was for perhaps that 48 years before right. this. Like, you know, sometimes we put ourselves in that box and we kind of like distance ourselves from God and all of a sudden when he re-enters into this beautiful relationship, he, right. he regrets, he does a 180, he asks for repentance and then he prays, he's restored. For others. That's yes. the, and look yes. at this, this wasn't like Servant he prayed toy. to God, yeah. like, God give me back my stuff. Right. There, in fact, there's nowhere in there where Job actually asked for that. Right. 
This was God saying, Job, Job, operate in ministry the way you were intended to. Pray for your friends. Yeah. Pray for their lives. Pray for their security and yeah. who I am. Pray for their doctrine to get yes. corrected. Pray for the people that you're called to minister to. And while Job was doing this, what was God doing in the background? Yeah. Bringing back 10 yeah. kids and, and a and a gazillion sheep and all the yep. and all the things. He ended up being the wealthiest man in the East. Yeah. He ended up being the most influential person because he was focused on other people and yep. allowed God to be focused on him. Yes. So what, what a story that is to us. And I hope you've taken all this in. I mean, especially if you, everybody's in ministry, but particularly if you're a leader in your church or your place of ministry, this is key. You can't you can't miss so this important. message here. So and important. so I hope you've listened. If you have questions, find out. If you need to take this a step further, harness this. This this is good. You know, bring bring Steve to your church and you'll start working through some of these things to get back to dynamic relational God. Amen. Amen. May God bless you and keep you. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.